everyone and welcome to another episode of Studio Insights. You've got the Belvista Studios team here. We've got Kim, Victoria and myself Hannah and what we do in Studio Insights if you haven't seen it is we learn from each other, we share inspiration with each other and we ask each other questions to help us to become better instructional designers and to help you also improve through learning through us. So let's get right into it. Victoria, would you like to ask the first mm -hmm. Uh, my question is for both of you, um, and it's it might be like a quick-ish one, but because I'm about to project manage for the first time, I wanted to know from both of you just like your top two tips or things you think I should keep in mind. It can be like as broad as anything, really, but just in general as a project manager, like top two tips for me to think about. The first one that's coming to mind for me is trust the process. So the templates that we have in place, the way the processes and stuff are set up already, trust that and don't deviate from it. We have gone before you and made the mistakes. <laughs> that's why they are the way they are. So you will have less mistakes if you trust the process. Do you have one, Hannah? I yeah. Think another one. I'm happy to go. Um, the first thing would be to put reminders in your calendar for things. So, for example, for me, I find it really useful if, say, something's due from the client, whilst mm -hmm. it's not a task for you or anyone in the team, like I have a reminder just saying, have we got it yet? And that just keeps me on track and thinking like, okay, if we haven't got it, what does that mean? Do I need to contact the client? Do I need to move things around. So just making sure you have those reminders in there mm -hmm. of what's happening. Um, and the second thing would be to do take the action that will help you get closer to the end goal, not necessarily the action that you want to take, if that makes sense. So for example, if you're like, I do not want to call the client, like phone calls, I do not feel like having a phone call right now rather than thinking just because I don't want to do it, I'm not going to do it. You need to think what's going to be the best way to get the outcome that we need in the shortest period of time and a way that will be effective for the client. And that is uncomfortable, but you'd need to learn to do it because it does make your life easier. Because when I've taken the road where it's more comfortable in the moment, it generally hasn't been as effective or it's been harder later down the track. Okay. I think I might struggle with that one a bit. <laughs> well, then I'll make that my second one and say <laughs> times two. <laughs> you must do it. We're both saying how important that is. Yeah. How do you, like, get over the nerves in that? Because the thought of calling a client right now to me is, like, terrifying about anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I was terrified too, so I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think what you can do is like plan it as much as you can. So before you get onto the phone call, figure out what you want to get out of it. So what's like the intent of the phone call. Um, and even just like writing a question for yourself to remember to get you back to that intent and get you what you need, I think is really helpful. Um, 
And I think the other thing, like I watched a video by Christo from the future the other day, and he was talking about being polite is being fake. I don't know if you guys have seen that video, but a lot of the time when people speak to their clients, they put on another face, like they act like mm. they, they think the client wants them to act. But the best thing you can do is just be like your authentic self and just be exactly you. Um, so an example of that was in the video, there was like one of the guys hated talking about money with clients. And he was like, I hate having that phone call and like talking to them about that. And it's so awkward. And in his language, he was like, originally to the client, he was like, we have to talk about money, but we can just do it another time if you want. And so he like kept pushing it back and not talking about it. But Chris was saying like, all you need to do is be honest. Like you can just say, look, I struggled to talk about this or like talking about money is not something I enjoy doing, but in order for us to move forward with the project, I think we need to talk about it. So you can have little ways to enable yourself to be authentic. So you're not just like putting on an act and trying to sound mm-hmm. like nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about that, Kim? Like just having that bit of like authenticity. I'm all about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because there's also between I've thought about like you don't want to downplay yourself as a person and say like look just letting you know I am a bit nervous because this is like one of my first projects I'm working on you don't want to lose that respect but then there's also like you want to be authentic and you don't just want to act like you're completely confident and not worried about it so I'm still learning like the line there but do you have any insight on that Kim on getting that right (laughs) the balance between being new and what what specifically like whether you can say I'm so nervous right now but I really need to talk to you about this Mm. yeah I think mm. like yeah do it if that's how you feel if that's your authentic self do it um like even I like would we had a meeting yesterday Hannah I was like I'm nervous now you know, like, but I don't go in, I didn't want to go into that meeting, say I'm nervous. Um, but I think when you kind of have that nerves coming over you, it's kind of like, what are you nervous about? And <laughs> that's where that planning comes in. Like, so what am I nervous about? Um, this could happen. And I'm like, okay, well, can you control that? Yeah, I can. How can I control that? If I do this, it's within my control. So like the meeting yesterday, there was no need for me to be nervous because I, we had all the facts, the process and everything, the evidence was we've done everything right. And this is the next step in the goal that we're trying to achieve. And this is the outcome we need from the meeting. So when we did that, I was like, oh, I think it might be just an automatic little shit story that's coming into my head because I don't personally like talking on the phone. So I think I naturally get nervous anyway. Um, but I think when you are able to say what Hannah said, like, what is the intent or what is the outcome I'm Mm -hmm. trying to achieve as a result of this action or interaction, sorry, like it allows you to plan and just have dot points and focus only on that. And I always have like notes on my tablet sitting there. So I don't have to think I'm just going, okay, I'm kind of like following a little process. So the outcome of this meeting is that we're going to get agreement on um, approval of a storyboard, for example. Um, Is there anything now stopping you from approving it right now? Yes or no. 
and they say they might go no approved and then you're like oh meeting over or they might be like actually we just wanted to query screen seven um what do you mean by this particular interaction and we go oh cool yep so what we're trying and planning on doing there is this and then they go oh cool yeah we just weren't sure it wasn't articulated we couldn't uh we couldn't envision what it might look like in our own heads thanks for explaining that yeah storyboards approved and then you're like cool objective achieved everyone gets the time back move on yeah no i just i think it's like what hannah said is really important what's the outcome you're trying to achieve what's the intent and just that really focuses you into solution and like I guess like you're coming from a place of nerves now and it always is like it sounds like we have these like major dramas or something going on but like you ask these questions because you're nervous or you're anxious mm -hmm. or about the unknown but it's not always going to go bad like the we don't have that many times where things go bad in conversations or anything like that so for that reason I just say don't anticipate what's going to happen and how someone is just always like you don't know so if you're very objective on this is the outcome, you, you, you can't actually predict, is this going to be a good or a bad thing? Because if you get objective on what you're trying to achieve, you cut through emotion, you're just focusing on the facts and next steps, and then you're just moving towards the goal because it's your role to help as a project manager, which is the example that you're bringing up here. It's your role to keep that project moving towards the end goal. So you're just doing your job, what you're getting paid for, what a stakeholder expects you to do, what your boss expects you to do, what your team members working on the project expect you to do. So it's not really, I, I know it's like, it's not a big deal, but it's not really a big deal. You're just doing your job. Yeah. Moving yeah. through a process. And if you can't figure it out in the phone call, like that's another authenticity thing, say, look, thank you for sharing that. My understanding of what you, you've said is X, I'm going to take some time to process that or I'm just going to go have a chat to the team about it and I'll get back to you. That's helped me because I always think I can either help them on the phone call through being yeah. like authentic in myself and sharing the information I know and moving it forward. Or if I get into a situation where it's beyond my knowledge or I'm not comfortable with solving the problem on the phone, then you can just say that. Cool. Yeah. I just want to confirm my understanding of what you've said. I'm just going to have a think about it and I'll get back to you. So it can't really end badly if you just see it as like they're the two options. Yeah. Yep. I think it's like getting used to saying things like that though, because I think they might say something and I'm trying to like process it and think of the right way to respond, even if it is just to say, I need to go and think about it. But I'm worried like in that time, I'll say something stupid that I mm -hmm. shouldn't say. <laughs> it just comes down to how much you want to plan for a conversation because like there's only so many avenues that can go um if you take the time to figure it out there's only so much that can come at you so you can actually just figure out three or four sen sentences have them written down in front of you and that you you're like oh that's what's coming up right now this is what i've prepared earlier to respond to that so you can actually do that yeah. a really good example actually it's a little bit off topic but um, have you ever felt anxious or overwhelmed for an interview? Mm. Yeah, guilty, <laughs> right? I actually, I'm going to make a video about this. I think I figured out the formula to not have that anymore. 
because there are patterns and you can literally predict the answers if you take the time to plan. So this is the million dollar result. But so it's helping someone um, prepare for an interview and they're just, they know that they can do the job. They will be brilliant at the job. They just get nervous. And then because they get nervous, they can't think in the interview and then they get overwhelmed and can't answer the questions, right? And so basically what it is, is like, all you have to decipher is what's the question they're asking me now? Because they can ask you a million types of questions, but there's only a couple of things that they're actually looking for, which is about the prediction, right? So if, and this is a really good instructional design skill. And I think we've spoken about this in terms of like facilitation, what's the problem I'm trying to solve right now? So that's what you're looking for. They say, tell me about a time when you handled the difficult conversation or difficult uh, customer. Tell me about a time where there was conflict in your team. Tell me about a time when you disagreed with your supervisor. They're all asking the same thing. Difficult situation, what was the result and how'd you get there, right? So you can actually figure out if you're going, what's the problem I'm trying to solve right now? Or what's the question they're actually asking me right now is the number one thing. And just in the interview setting, it kind of comes down to it's either conflict resolution, prioritization and problem solving, or using your initiative, continuous improvement or something like that, right? Then all you have to do is come up with an example that demonstrates each of them, okay? So I literally have it here. What is the question? And I put the, told the person to like write this, stick it on their monitor so that they could just focus, which means that no matter what question comes up, they can answer it because they just need to go, what's the question they're asking me right now? Is it conflict? Is it prioritization or problem solving? Or is it using my initiative and continuous improvement? And then underneath are the examples that are specific to each of them. So they just need to get really rehearsed on responding to them. To demonstrate how that played out then is I literally Googled behavioral type interview questions for a particular role. And we went through, and I just said, tell me the problem or the question that they're asking you and tell me what example is um, relevant to that, right? And I mm -hmm. went through over 50 interview questions and it came down to those three every single time. All right. So, if you can look for a little framework or a pattern like that, mm. where it's just like, what is the problem I'm trying to solve? Or what's the question they're asking me right now? And then what do I have? What's my tool around that? Go forward towards the end goal. Then you can deal with anything that comes up. Then you don't ever have to prepare because the only thing you can prepare for is what is the problem I'm trying to solve right now? And then it doesn't matter what interview question comes up. It doesn't matter what a stakeholder says to you about a project schedule or the scope or feedback on a storyboard or feedback on a look and feel. Okay. So there'll be more project management questions to come. I'm seeing a big smile, so I'd say that's a successful. <laughs> um, you feel, do you feel different from when you first asked the question to now? Yeah, I mean, I still get nervous thinking about it, but I like having more things to put in, like, my toolkit that I'm going to use, which at the moment is just a big Word document with 
all my notes. <laughs> so I think the more I add to that and just like, so I can keep it fresh in my mind before I do each task or call or whatever it is, I think it'll be useful. Okay, can I come back with a second tip then? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it was to do with project management actually. And now you're talking about, we've gone into like conversation, communication type things. So pause. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. All right, Kim, would you like to ask next? <laughs> yeah, my question was for you, Vic. Um, <laughs> payback. <laughs> <Not just. laughs> uh, so you have written a lot of our processes and then you're also, and we, Hannah and I have used them and applied them. They're like, amazing and very helpful when we use them and then uh you have recently been learning something and using our processes so for instructional design specifically on that one I was just wondering what would you say are the characteristics of an effective process um I would say like being as detailed as possible because things that might seem obvious to you when you, if you're the person writing them or like creating them, mm. like it might seem obvious to you, but that doesn't mean other people will know. So putting in like every single step, even if it seems tiny or yeah, super obvious, like still putting it in. Mm -hmm. um, making sure that like the language is really accurate. So like a lot of the processes I wrote were for like using websites or that kind of thing. So it's like click this button, but like you need to make sure that you use like the exact word <laughs> that's on the button so people don't get confused. But I guess that applies to like other processes too, where it might not be like a button word, but just like being making sure that everyone's going to know exactly what you're talking about when you say, um, I'm trying to think of an example for like the instructional design one, but even something like the, I don't know, the high level strategy, like making sure it's like whatever everyone knows, that doesn't make sense. Whatever <laughs> word you use is what everyone knows it as. And mm. that like, if there is any, um, uh, I don't know, like alternates or anything, like yeah. including all of them so that, mm. I don't know, you might call something one thing, Hannah might call it something different and you both know what you're talking about, but like someone else might not know. So making yeah. sure that you cover like all bases for as much as you can and mm. as much as I like, you know to do I guess um I also find sometimes like putting not always just doing like step-by-step -step process but like adding context at the start like it could just be a sentence or a paragraph for like this is when you use this process or this is when you don't use it or like mm. these are the things that could affect you using this um can help because I don't know, I guess like if someone's covering for you or something, like they might not always know. You might have a task in your calendar to do this, but they might not always know like what other things could impact that. Mm. So putting in like a bit of background info before someone even starts. Yeah. I think that's useful. Um, using examples sometimes. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess if there's like certain steps where it's 
not a, I can't think of any of the right words I don't need to use, but <laughs> if someone has to write something for themselves, basically, mm-hmm. and, like, you can give them, like, the formula or whatever they need, but, like, giving them an actual example of it as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can think of anything else right now. No, that, that's really good. Like, the kind of the context around why you would or would not use a particular process being very specific, leaving no kind of ambiguity. I even see that playing out around like, not like click here to view, I don't know, the template that you should use. It should be like click here to access the specific name of the template and hyperlink mm-hmm. that. Cause <laughs> even the here, like if the link breaks or whatever, you're like, what are they after? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the examples, like I know I've definitely benefited from that. Like even in our blogs and stuff, when they have examples or like, how a success statement should be written. Like it's kind of like that check mark for you to go, here's mine. How does it compare to the one? Mm-hmm. So I find the examples are really useful. Yeah. Mm. Do you have anything to add, Hannah? Um, no, I think just everything you've said, I agree with it. Mm. Nothing additional. Cool. Thank you. Cool. You happy, Kim? Yeah, thanks. Awesome. All right, last question by me is, I was wanting to know, and I think it's a question for you, Kim, because I've heard you doing it recently in the distance while you're in meetings. (laughs) (laughs) Eavesdropping. (laughs) So when you're facilitating a group meeting, how, if you notice the conversation is going off track, one, how do you, like... (laughs) of the group to listen to you because I know we've spoken about in the past like the tone of voice and everything has a big impact Mm. and two like what can you say to get the conversation back on track without like sounding rude or offending someone or like what's some scripts that you can use yeah okay I just put it out there I do not have a voice that commands attention yet and I still haven't prioritized learning that yet but um (laughs) So I am not the kind of person that can be in a room and be like, hey guys, like, listen up. I have to start this now. Everyone just keeps talking. So (laughs) um, one of the things which I didn't do, I've forgotten about it, but then I've reminded (coughs) myself because I have noticed that I need to rein people back in again because I'm doing a lot of workshops at the moment. So it's at the forefront. One of the things is setting it that um, expectation at the beginning in terms of, look, We're here, we have an agenda and we've got things to achieve. We do not have time for um, conversation that doesn't add value. So what I want to do is present to you guys the opportunity to come up with some silly word that we can each use if a side discussion is happening, if someone's just um, sharing stuff that's not relevant to this specific conversation. Um, And so in the past, like for some reason I've had apples come as the word multiple times in workshops. Um, but yeah, so they just have a little joke about it and they say, okay, like apples, for example, I go, cool. So if we are, if anyone feels at any time that the conversation is deviating from our objective and what we're focusing on, everyone has permission to say apples, just the word apples, and we will all collectively know 
say it more concisely or stop it or demonstrate how it's going to add value to what we're trying to achieve right now is Mm -hmm. everyone in agreement with that cool and then anytime it does happen it tends to be quite a like funny thing that you just hear someone being like apples and then they're like ha 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 and then it like rains back in um and then the other thing is um if they are where it happened to me the other day because i didn't do my little apples thing so i had no fun way of reining people in and and i'm like very action focused so i really am like ah, we've wasted seven seconds off tangent um so <laughs> i think for me i like um an effective way to say it i'm like bursting inside like oh my god i gotta get this back on track i literally haven't lost that much time it will literally be that quickly but i'm feeling like we're wasting time <laughs> um so i will say um sometimes you have to speak over people i did notice that so i wasn't able to get in two people getting really excited about something like and it was freaking fire but it wasn't purposeful for what we were trying to it was phase two of the project we need to stick to what we're trying to solve right now. So it's like waiting. If you can't get in that little breath where they're like, blah, blah, blah. And, and then when they take a breath, you're like, it sounds like that's really important to you. And I love where you're going with it, but I'm just going to like rein us back into the objective of this meeting. It sounds like that needs to be parked for phase two. And then I don't ask for permission um, to say, is that okay with you? I'm like, "Mm, I'm a facilitator. I'm here to lead an objective. So it's very much, it sounds like that's important. Um, Now it's not aligned to what we're trying to achieve here. What we're trying to achieve is here is X. I sometimes like I'll be highlighting something on screen. So I just highlight it with the mouse. And then I say, what else around this? So I guide the conversation back and then I just move on with it. Yeah. Um, what else could I do? I think you have to be okay to step over someone um, and speak over them in a non-rude way. And when you do that, I think, especially with our stuff, it's very intentional, right? So it doesn't happen that often. We're there to hit a goal and the people know. And anyone that is just loving their own voice and getting running with some idea, they get it like when you step in they don't get offended so i think knowing that is all good like you you just like uh, and sometimes i'll make a joke about it like i'll say it in a joking way but i'm like all right like we need to get back on track here you know and they it's okay to interrupt in that moment because they know themselves that it's not helping you and i think that's what you could say is if you're really uncomfortable and you're not even sure like where they're going it's just like help me understand what you're saying and how that links specifically to and highlight the actual thing that you're solving in that moment the agenda item or whatever it is yeah i like that second part is good because i was thinking if you have an attendee or a participant in your group who for example is really shy and doesn't hasn't spoken up and then the one thing they say in your head you're like (laughs) it's not relevant but you don't want to shut them down and be like oh let's move on like that's needs to be parked I think yeah. that's a nice way by still involving them and saying, can you help us understand how that, rather than just cutting them off if they are someone who might be a bit more yeah. sensitive or shy. 
And it needs to be like, yeah, you got to be curious. Like maybe they are saying something that's going to solve the problem. They're just not articulating it quick enough or yeah. they're, they're telling you too much of the past experience. And you're like, yeah, it happened in the past. It sounds like you have a solution, get to the solution and yeah. I'll document that. So <laughs> you could like, sometimes they're rambling and I actually, that's one thing I do. Cause I was just remembering another example. I say, I'm just going to pause you there for a second. It sounds like you've experienced this in the past and you have a solution. What would fix this? Tell me what that solution is. And then it just mm. gets them on target to what they need to say. So I'll just say, I'm just going to pause you there for a moment. That's really good. That would work on client calls too, I think. Mm. Cool, thanks. Do you guys have any others that would help or that you've heard other people do? I would probably just listen to them forever <laughs> and never interrupt. <laughs> I'd be sitting there like <laughs> for like an hour being like, this is <laughs> no, I definitely wouldn't do that. But I would like to, like you said, I'd like to develop a tone of voice and a energy that like is able to get the attention of the group and get them to do something differently. Hmm. So that's just something I'm learning about at the moment. I'm just thinking a cheeky one as well. If everything's virtual at the moment, just mute them. <laughs> Continue on. <laughs> nah, I'm only messing. <laughs> you could, realistically. Yeah, if you don't have the confidence to call it out, just mute them and then just direct the conversation back. They'll start being like, oh my God, like you're not listening to me. Like, oh, sorry, how'd that happen? Yeah. Anyway, this is where we are right now. <laughs> I think confidence too, like the more you do something, it gets easier. It might not be for everyone, but I know if I'm confident in a process or something that I'm doing, it's much easier for me to mm. sound confident and therefore get the attention of others. Yeah. More easily. And I think that comes back to what the tips we were giving for Vic earlier and what you said around having the objective. Mm. So I know I'm there for a value. For example, I'm thinking about discovery workshops, two hours. We do a lot in them. They're so productive and there is no time for wasted space. Um, so I think I'm very clear on my objective and the outcome that I'm there to achieve. So I know that I have to do that and it is my responsibility to achieve that outcome. So when I, that, even if I don't have the confidence to interrupt, I know that I have the confidence to do the task that I'm supposed to be doing, which is deliver the outcomes of a discovery workshop. Yeah. And then it, it makes me feel a bit more powerful to go, this isn't adding value and it's my responsibility now to get us on track. And then I can come from that space, I reckon, a bit more. Yeah. Without building the confidence over time just on a specific like little script. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. Thank you. Does anyone have anything else to add on that before we finish up? All right, well, thank you everyone for tuning into Studio Insights. We hope that it added value to you. If you are an instructional designer or an e-learning developer and you wanna get more value from us, check out our Creator Hub. You can access it in the link um, in the description. So check that out and thanks for learning with us. What's up, awesome human? Thank you, thank you, thank you on behalf of myself and the Bell Vista Studios team for continuously choosing to learn with us. We really appreciate it. 
If the tips and the insights and the context resonate with you and you want to take your skills to the next level or you want to make your life way easier, you will love our Creator Hub. The Creator Hub is a place for people like you and us. Basically, it's the stuff that we use internally at Bell Vista Studios and then we just share it publicly with you. The Creator Hub is created by instructional designers for instructional designers. And what you'll love there at the moment is we've got a quiz could I be a better instructional designer that has so much tips in the feedback if you're interested in human-centered design or just taking your skills to the next level in terms of the solutions you're creating, the problems you want to solve. But in there as well, aren't we cute? That's us. Um, but we've got the coaching courses, freebies, give us gratitude, and also we've got some templates. And basically they're always around the lens of learning experience design, instructional design, and e-learning. So a human-centered design focus is very much what we're about at Bell Vista Studio. So putting your learners at the heart of a solution and creating something for their needs. So there's the human-centered design stuff, and then we've also got the business stuff. So this is the stuff they don't teach you about when you want to become a freelancer or a consultant in the instructional design world. So go check it out. The link is in the description. You can check out everything that is available for you. Thank you for choosing to learn with us. Continuously invest in your skills. You will be rewarded as an instructional designer. Share this stuff, share it with other people because when we are better instructional designers, we create better solutions that create better humans that create a better world. So we have a very important role and I'm excited to be on this journey with you. Have an awesome day.